Hey, I'm Michael, and this is Michael in the Middle. It's an intergenerational relational podcast for people who are interested in better human interaction. I'm glad you're here. So uh, this is really uh, exciting for me to uh, welcome you into another uh, episode of Michael in the Middle. Um, I'm uh, with, I I would just have to say, among my acquaintances, the world's most interesting man. (laughs) (laughs) This is Dr. Gary Morsh, and uh, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some of the things that uh, he's been able to be involved in over the course of his life. and um, just to, to dive right in, I know, I know heart to heart and docs who care. Are those the two main enterprises that you have been involved in? Um, I, I mean, I know there's yeah. a lot more history there, but what, yeah. what is it that you are doing at present? Well, I, you know, I practice medicine and I always felt like I was going to be, that was going to be my ministry. So I didn't, I approached it just like a pastor would or a missionary, let's just let's yeah. just say. So uh, anyway, I've been involved in compassionate ministry and various uh, service projects my whole life, organizing things. So I started Heart to Heart, and it's taken off. It's just 30 years old. It's unbelievable how strong and, and effective it is worldwide. And, uh, of course, Docs Who Care is my, it's how I make my living. Okay. Uh, by staffing, or uh, I contract with the hospitals to uh, run their ERs. Then I hire the doctors to put in there and supervise them. And so that's really, really grown quite large throughout the Midwest, out to the West Coast. But my most recent effort is when COVID hit, I felt like it was a all hands on deck moment. And uh, both the major organizations that I started, both of them, felt like they were going to have their hands full with COVID. Just my, my staffing company, Docs Who Care, we knew that our docs would be getting COVID. Local docs would be getting COVID and they'd be asking us to, well, could you cover the inpatient? Can you do help us in the clinic? That indeed happened. And then heart to heart felt like they were going to be busy just shipping PPE, you know, the protective, personal yeah. protective gear all over the world, which they did. So I decided to start a new not-for-profit, Global Care Force. So that organization mobilized uh, well over 100 medical teams all yeah. over the country to treat COVID, as well as now in the Ukraine. So that's what I—that's my major focus right now. That's amazing. And I—I um, I know that our families uh, go back a, a lot of years yeah. in terms of involvement with, um, you know, efforts through. Uh, the, the the church uh, of the Nazarene and, and through, uh, oh, I guess the channels of ministry yeah. through the church. But right. your your organizations have gone way beyond that connection that you've had through that. Um, talk a little bit about uh, your journey. I mean, you, yeah. you went to you went to college. Did, did you major in pre-med? I mean, did no, you always huh? know you wanted to be a doctor? <clears throat> no, huh? No, I, I felt I was called in the ministry, okay? So okay. at a vacation Bible school when I was like in fourth grade, yeah. the speaker said, you know, all of you who would like to dedicate your lives to ministry, you can call if you feel like you would be ready to serve if God calls you into ministry, 
come down and let's pray. So I went down to the fourth, office. Fourth grade? Yeah. And of course, every, my dad was the pastor of the church. Everybody after that said, oh man, you're going to be a preacher just like your daddy. <laughs> they said the same thing. Yeah, I got, I got that occasion. <laughs> yeah. Sure and so uh, my whole idea of ministry was, well, you, had, you serve God best as a pastor, evangelist, or missionary. I just assumed that. No one ever said that. Mm -hmm. No one would say that. That's not really biblical. <clears throat> Paul was a tent maker. You know, yeah. he made a living. He was, he was in a sense, a lay person. <clears throat> so, uh, but it was in college. So in college, I majored in political science, religion, philosophy, trying to figure out what it was. Just waiting for God to beat me over the head with a call. Because everybody always talked about their call. like some. Yeah. And I expected that. <clears throat> and then I realized that God has had been calling me probably my whole life because I loved health. I loved anatomy and physiology in high school. Okay. I loved, I, I was reading medical textbooks uh, when I was a kid, when we, when my dad and mom and the kids, we'd go visit some doctors, you know, after church, they'd have us over for <laughs> pie or something. I'd be in there in the study, in the doc study, looking at his books, yeah. paging through it. So, it was my uh, junior year in college at Southern Nazarene that I, I realized <clears throat> my calling was to go into medicine, and that would be my ministry. So mm -hmm. that's how I got started. You spent some time in one of the branches of your armed services, right? right? Was right. that was that before or after college? That was before. So I'm 17 years old. I'm a senior in high school. I'm small, one of the smallest in my class. Okay. Skinny as anything. Geeky. And never dated anybody. Yeah. And had a lot of people, kids from the church I hung out with. We had a great time, guys and girls, but it was all group dates. Yeah. <clears throat> I also knew I didn't have any money for college. <laughs> so I snuck away from school, played hooky one day, and went to see the a John Wayne movie, The Green Berets. Okay. And when I saw that, man, I said, now that's what I want to do. <laughs> I'm going to go, I'm going to join the army, become a green beret, and then I'll grow up. I'll have an adventure. I'll serve my country. This is in the middle of Vietnam war. Yeah. And I'll have the GI bill. I mean, this is great. So I did. And sure enough, it worked out when I got out, <clears throat> I got the GI bill paid for all my college tuition plus half of medical school. Don't ask wow. me how that wow. works. But yeah. anyway, I took, took advantage of that. And, so uh, that was a, that was good for me. That's great. That's great. Where'd you go to medical school? University of Oklahoma, right there in Oklahoma City. Boomer Sooner. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I kind of grew up with that whole mentality that's, that's myself. Exactly you know? right. Yeah, Oklahoma. Uh, I, I was I was fifteen. Uh, so first fifteen years of my life, I was fifteen when we moved to Mississippi from Oklahoma City and. Yeah, and uh, lived another five years out there in Oklahoma. Oklahoma, so it's it's kind of right in the heart of the country. Yeah. It's it's yeah. an interesting place. So you Unique. you went to college in Oklahoma, and then after after you got done with med school, what? Well, uh, I, I knew. Where did, when, at what point did you and Vicky get married in that yeah. progression? Well, I knew when I felt the call to go into medicine that I would be a family doctor because at that time <clears throat> that was what was needed on the mission field. <clears throat> if you were a family doctor, you could serve in any of our Nazarene hospitals. And I assumed that I would be a medical missionary. Am I okay. just assume? 
Yeah. <clears throat> Dr. Howard Hamlin was one of my mentors. Yeah. He was a medical missionary, and so I thought I'll follow in his footsteps. But <clears throat> Vicky and I got married uh, at the the year after the, the the spring when she graduated. She was ahead of me okay. in college, and uh, and then she worked as a nurse. She's a nurse, and she worked uh, to support our me and <laughs> and uh, and. And then, <clears throat> before our first anniversary, she found out she was pregnant. Wow! So we started having our one, our first of four kids uh, in my first year of medical school. Yeah. But <clears throat> during medical school, I got a fellowship to go to Swaziland. Okay. For three months. Reader's right. Digest had a fellowship for uh, students who would go to a mission hospital. That's pretty remarkable, isn't it? Wow. <clears throat> so it was believers that applied, of course. I mean, and uh, we went to Swaziland, now East Watani, which is an, our Nazarene hospital. And I was there for three months and it was a tremendous experience. But it was there that Vicki and I felt pretty clearly our calling was not to be medical missionaries mm -hmm. like that. Mm -hmm. It was to do something different. Uh, back in back home, so we, I did my residency in family medicine. I did a master's in public health, okay. not knowing how that would be used, but I just felt like that would be good if I was going to be involved in medical missions in any way. And I always thought that I would be volunteering in all of our Nazarene hospitals, give vacation release things like that, which I did. <clears throat> but that really led to the founding of Heart to Heart. Okay, so that's how it all started. It was long kind of a train of events and I realized I can go to Swaziland or New Guinea or India or anywhere yeah. and work in a hospital and that's that's great. But I also knew I knew how to organize things. I could get teams of people. I didn't have to go. I could organize it so other people could go. And that's when I realized that's what I want to do. I want to mobilize lay people to use their gifts in awesome. ministry. Yeah. Particularly healthcare, because I know healthcare. Yeah. yeah. So, where was uh, where was the <clears throat> first heart to heart mission? <clears throat> yeah, that's the first mission was actually heart to heart. There's many streams. It's probably okay. the way God uses a lot. Many streams come together to le lead you to a certain on a certain path. Right. Okay. It's it's not just one isolated thing when yeah. you're when you're in. When you're here at NYC and, and, and you're a teenager, you, you get feel a call to ministry, but and many times uh, a team will feel like, well, I'm going to go to, this is what I'm going to do. Sure. But God changes things. Yeah. You know, God's will is wide. It's a channel. Yeah. <clears throat> and these streams come together. So when I started my medical practice in Olathe, Kansas, <clears throat> I immediately I was told, you got to join Rotary. Okay. So that's where all the business people, the con, okay, so I joined Rotary. And on one of those luncheons, I came in late. And before I could sit down, the president of the Rotary Club said, oh, Dr. Morse, didn't you just get back from, our, our speaker canceled today. Can you tell us about what's your latest trips, medical mission? So I stood up. <clears throat> extemporaneously and told them I had just come back on behalf of Nazarene Compassion Ministries to 
I was in Cambodia on the border of Cambodia and Thailand. Where oh, wow. The Cambodian refugees were fleeing into Thailand. Yeah. I worked at a Red Cross camp and was looking for opportunities for Nazarene Compassion Ministry to be involved. Yeah. And uh, so I came back and I got up and told them what I'd been doing. And at the end of that little speech, I just said to the this group of Rotarians, you know what? Just look around you. There's about a hundred of you here. Look at the talent in this room, the resources, time, talent, treasure. And I said, uh, you know, I know Rot Rotary does a lot for a lot of groups, a lot of people, but let me just tell you, if this club would pick one place in the world to go, literally go, organize a group, send 10 or 15 people, kind of like working with us, yeah. but you can't call it that. Sure. Rotary. Yeah. It would change you. It would change the world if every club did that. Just think. Well, before I could sit down again after the end, president of the club says, "That's a great idea. Would you would you be the chairman of the committee to organize it?" <laughs> yeah. So of course I said yes. Yeah. I'm, I always say yes. Generally, that's a weakness, strength and weakness. <clears throat> so I organized Rotary projects, and each of them, unbeknownst to the Rotary leadership. My committee was all Nazarenes, friends really? okay. in the Rotary Club. Yeah. And what we did is we asked Worker Witness and the missions, Nazarene missionaries, what project would be helpful, you know, would help you. Now, we can't build churches, but we can build a school or a clinic or we yeah. model one. And so that's what we did in Belize and then in St. Croix. And uh, it was after that second project, Rotary said, Gary, would you lead a third project another year? And I said, you don't need me. You guys have it figured out. You've got the template. I said, however, I would be happy to lead a project if it goes way beyond this Rotary Club. It would, it would take all the Rotary Clubs in Kansas City, maybe other Rotary Clubs <laughs> around the country. And not just Rotarians. This is where my, my inclusivity comes in, like sure. you. Yeah. I want to involve... Kiwanians, yeah. members of Kiwanis and Optimists and JCs. Yeah. Those were the big clubs and they were all kind of competitors. Oh yeah. And I said, let's all come together. And uh, they thought, wow, yeah, okay, well, and where would you do that project? Where would you suggest? I said, either Vietnam or Russia. Mm -hmm. And they said, Vietnam or Russia, why, why would you pick those? I said, they're our enemies. And we still haven't, the war still going on in our minds, in Vietnam, we had an embargo. And I said, in Russia, our president, Ronald Reagan, told us, I said, it's the evil empire. Mm -hmm. And the Bible says, love your enemies. So <laughs> they said, we can't do Vietnam. It's too raw. We've got, yeah. some of us have kids and sure. nephews who were killed there. We, yeah. we can't do Vietnam. So I said, okay, it's Russia. And so first air, their first project called the Heart to Heart Airlift was really a rotary project, pure rotary. Oh, my word. And we got a C-5 Galaxy cargo plane, Air Force cargo plane, don't, approved by the Department of Defense, flew to Olathe. We actually have an airport in Little Olathe. It was a former Navy base. And that plane was filled with 75 tons of donated medicines. So you're, you're in Olathe, Kansas, and the C-5 comes in. You loaded it up, and where... 
where where did you go? I well, mean, I, I mean, Russia's yeah, yeah, pretty big country. So obviously, <laughs> at that point, especially, yeah, you know, yeah. obviously, there'd been a lot of advanced planning. I had been over there once. Sure. My only other non-Rotarian involved who worked for me in my medical practice was a, a lady named Barbie Moore. Oh my word! Yeah. And I'm Barbie, I hired Barbie. She's actually a medical assistant. She she was trained as a medical assistant, okay. but never worked at. Yeah. And she met Harlan and got married. But anyway, Barbie is a super organizer and just understands the transformational power of volunteerism, of service, yeah. of serving the poor yeah. or the needy. And so she went over a couple of times. We had 34 hospitals identified that were going to get the medicines. We knew which medicines were going to every hospital. We knew she had lined up trucks to, to drive up behind the to unload as a C5 came out, we had the pallets all organized so that these, these five pallets went, we had a 160 pallets. So 34 hospitals, that would be what, about five, around five pallets per hospital. And that's a truckload, you know? Mm. And so uh, we would load those pallets onto the trucks and then volunteers would literally ride with those trucks to the hospitals. Uh, or have a car go with them from the, you know, the hospital would send a car yeah. and they would actually accompany the medicines to make sure they didn't get diverted or stolen or gone, you know, whatever. And, uh, that project was so successful that before I got home, there was a message on my answering machine <laughs> from a member of the joint chiefs of staff in Washington, Pentagon saying, Dr. Morse, this this project was absolutely the most, it's the biggest joint government civilian project, public private, yeah. you know, partnership ever that we've ever done. And we would like to ask if you would consider doing another airlift to St. Petersburg, Russia, and we will give you another C5. <laughs> well, I mean, with an offer like that, you had to do something. So we incorporated a, a not-for-profit yeah. and we needed a name. Well, we had called our airlift the Heart to Heart Airlift. The idea was the heart of America to the heart of Russia. Uh, and so we thought, well, just let's just call ourselves Heart to Heart International. So that's where we came up with the name. Well, that was the beginning of so many airlifts. I mean, we got airplanes from the Air Force, thanks to you, the taxpayer and other taxpayers. We got dozens and dozens and dozens of C5s, C17s, C130s to fly our medicines all over the world and to take our volunteers. They could ride on the planes, literally. The civilians could ride on military planes and we would deliver our medicines. We would hold educational programs for the doctors, for the nurses. Uh, and that launched heart to heart into what it is today now approaching $3 billion total in medicines we've delivered worldwide in 30 years. This is unreal. Yeah, it is, is unreal. unreal. You know, and, 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 you know, you're, you're sitting in a theater, you know, cutting out from school mm -hmm. to watch John Wayne in the green beret mm -hmm. and you're, you know, and then the next thing you know, you're, you're enlisting. Yeah. And then you land in a place, that prepares you for ministry through medicine. Yeah. I mean, the, the, the Bible talks about the steps of a righteous man or yeah. word of the Lord. Yeah. And even when we're not quite 
all the way there yeah. with the righteous thing. Right, right. <laughs> God's working, right? Yeah, exactly. And and uh, and 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 makes something righteous out of our gifting. Yeah. But not some. It's not just our gifting that matters. It's our willingness, right? Absolutely. I, I've always said in ministry, you you know, you've got to have the the passion, the calling. You've got to have. Uh, you know, a plan on how you can't just sit there and sure. wait. You gotta, yeah. you gotta knock on doors and see which ones open. And you've got to have the opportunity. You could say, I, I really have a heart for Malawi or Rwanda or whatever. Well, you, you've got to find an organization or a way to serve in those countries. And yeah. then you have to have resources to yeah. do it. So it takes all those things together. And, uh, one, one of my favorite sayings, one of my, uh, when I was in high school, I read biographies. Yeah. And uh, I read the biography of Hudson Taylor. He was the first medical missionary on the Protestant side to China. Yeah. And uh, one of the things, one of his famous quotes is, God's work done in God's time will never lack for God's resources. Mm. You know, and I've claimed that and believe that in many different ways, ministries. And I encourage other people when they're lamenting, well, we don't have the money or what, you know what? His work will get done in his time mm -hmm. with his resources. Mm -hmm. We just have to, sometimes we have to wait. So it sounds to me like, especially, you know, when you think about how it even got started, um, you're, you 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 started bringing people together right. that on paper shouldn't be cooperating, right? Right, right. <laughs> well, I, I learned this from Mother Teresa, so I started. Now you've met her, correct? Yeah, I started volunteering with the missionaries of charity in Calcutta ten years before Mother Teresa died. Wow! And the way it happened was, I had gone over to work in the Nazarene Hospital in India, Washam, India, and uh, Nazarene Compassion Ministries had asked me to, to kind of assess the situation, see what, it was just kind of a struggling hospital. Yeah. And uh, I thought, you know, I'm in India. I should, I should just fly over to Calcutta, and meet, <laughs> meet Mother Teresa and volunteer, because I'd heard that's what a lot of people did. They would volunteer. So uh, I did. And you know, those, that was in the day before email, you didn't, you didn't email and say, Hey, can I come? And it was these days work. you just showed up. Okay. So I showed up in Calcutta downtown at the mother house, knocked on the old door, wooden door and the door opened and there's the sisters in their white saris with blue trim. And I said, I'm Gary Morris. I'm a doctor from the United States. I'm here to volunteer. And they said, Come in, doctor. Uh, just sit here, and we'll we'll tell mother, Mother Teresa. We'll tell mother. Okay. Yeah. So I sit there for a few minutes, and then one of them kids me, and they take me up some stairs to the second floor, and that's where Mother Teresa's room was, and a okay. little office, and a bench outside her office, and uh, they had me sit down on the bench. Out comes Mother Teresa, and uh, so I she spoke English. Yeah. She was she's Albanian. Actually, not. You know, oh not, man, that's yeah. incredible. Yeah. yeah. So she she spoke. You know, the, the reason I responded like that is that I had an opportunity to go with a team from 
Trebekah, uh, Steve Harrison, uh -huh. and I led a team of students and uh, we, we went over to Albania for a, a little over yeah. a week to do work projects. And so my heart is, has been drawn to Albania ever since that was in 2000. Yeah. And, uh, anyway, I yeah. digress, but I, I didn't a, know, I didn't know Mother Teresa was yeah, Albanian. She was a, a, an Albanian devout Catholic child, yeah. teenager. And at the age of 12, she felt God calling her to be a nun. Mm. Well, she joined the a order out of Ireland. Okay. The sisters of Loretto, they spoke English, of course, so she had to learn English. Yeah. And they sent her to Calcutta mm. to teach geography in a girls, private girls Catholic high school for the wealthy. Mm. And for 18 years, Mother Teresa taught and served, but she saw the poor outside the gates, outside the fence, and felt a call in to go serve the poor. And she had to get permission from her bishop and the higher ups. And they finally said, you know what? It's, we're going to give you permission to leave this school, leave this convent and go serve the poor. And, uh, that's what she did. And that's how she started. Just she and one other sister who I also got to meet and know, uh, started this. And then of course it grew and grew and now it's, 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 it's an order of itself. So how did, how did she welcome you? I mean, yeah, yeah. So, so she, what she did, she goes, I said, I'm a doctor from the United States. I had my little stethoscope on. I wanted to make sure everybody knew. <laughs> had my little khaki pants, yeah. polo shirt. I wanted to be presentable. And she goes, okay, this is great. Uh, just a minute. So she went into her little office and there was other sisters in there. They all, they had a typewriter and they were okay. working and a telephone, one telephone in the entire convent. She wrote something down, came out and had a piece of paper that was folded. She gave it to me and says, I would like you to go to the home for the dying. That's the a hospice. That's where she started. The home for the, the dying. dying. Yeah, it's called uh, Nirmal Pride. It's in a Hindu temple. The Hindus actually gave this area, this uh, a little bunch of rooms to her to use. And that's where she would, she started a ministry there by picking up homeless men and women who were dying on the streets mm -hmm. and loaded them up in whatever she could get rickshaws or, you know, taxis, or eventually she had her own, got her own vehicles and took them there. And it was a hospice and people would, the sisters and the volunteers would care for them until they died. They might live for a week or two or, uh, and so, that's where I wanted to go anyway. I knew about this. I'd read about it. I yeah. hope I'm a doctor. I'm going to save lives. This could be fantastic. So I took the note. I didn't open it and read it. I probably should have. She said, give it to sister Priscilla. So I show up, literally took a rickshaw guy running the streets, barefoot, pulling me mm -hmm. and took me there to, and, and dropped me off. And I went in, asked for sister Priscilla. She came to the front. I gave her the piece of paper. She smiled and said, well, welcome and, you know, follow me. <laughs> I thought, okay. So we went to the women's ward yeah. first. I thought, this is great. Women first. We just kept going through the ward and then we went to the men's ward. And I thought, okay, I guess we'll start with the men. Well, she didn't stop there. And each of these wards had like maybe 20 beds, little cots okay. full of people and uh, sisters bathing them, feeding them, uh, cleaning them up and a few volunteers. Yeah. And well, we went, we went through both wars and I thought, well, 
where where do we go next? And she took me in the kitchen and they were cooking rice and had a op, over an open fire. And I thought, oh well, these guys they're gonna feed me lunch. Isn't that something? Because it was a lot near nearing lunchtime by that time. Okay. But we didn't stop in the kitchen. We were right through the kitchen, so-called kitchen, out to the alley in the back. I thought, man, this is weird. Where, where, where is she taking me? And she stops and says, there was a big pile of garbage, and there was a shovel and a bucket, like a five-gallon paint bucket. And she said, doctor, here I am. I have my stethoscope on. I'll dress you. Go, doctor, we need you to take the garbage, put it in this uh you know, bucket and carry it to the, you know, the civic, the town uh, dump. And it's just right down. You just go straight and you'll run into it. You can't miss it. So far was away. it? Well, several blocks <laughs> and it's hot and it's humid. And I'm already, and I'm thinking. How many trips did you have to oh, make? Oh man, maybe 20 or 30. Because I mean, that, five, that five gallon bucket, you know. Yeah. No, it didn't. And the pile of garbage was high and it's not like, Paper, newspapers and milk cartons sure. and plastic. It was rotting food, human waste they'd cleaned up. It was just garbage. Ugh. And uh, and I just, as I carried it, I just got more and more irritated thinking, why why me? You know, and I couldn't, I didn't want to leave my stethoscope just anywhere, like even in the house, yeah. somebody might walk through. And so I still had my stethoscope on. And by the end of the day, it was, middle of the afternoon but when I finished <clears throat> and volunteers went home at four, I was, it was probably three and I was really just like thinking, these don't, do they not understand that I'm a doctor? Mm -hmm. I could be in there helping take care of patients. I mean, mm -hmm. you, they didn't have any doctors. You could get some, some local person and pay them. They'd love to have this job. Yeah. Why me? This is not, this is not fair. This is not good stewardship is what I was thinking. This is not, this is not how it should be. And I was all full of myself and what I thought I could do and not, not, I was not there with a servant's heart mm. to do whatever I'm asked. So I decided to, I was done for the day and then I knew I'd come back the next day. So I said to the sisters, well, I think I'm finished. I'm going to think I might as well go, go on back to my hostel. And uh, I said, but I probably ought to say bye to Sister Priscilla. So I'm standing out in the front area, waiting for her. And as I'm looking around the walls, I, I see a crucifix, which is very common in all Catholic yeah. institutions and homes. But then I saw a poster with a hand, handmade, handwritten poster with a quote on it. So I walked over to look at it and I re it was, it was, it was, there was a quote and then it was attributed to M. Teresa, Mother Teresa, comma, MC. That's how she, Missionaries of Charity. I thought, oh, this is Mother Teresa. They, they have a, and I read it. And when I read it, I realized that's why God, she, Mother Teresa had sent me, she had told Sister Priscilla, probably garbage detail, mm -hmm. trying to not break my spirit, but give me, let me think about why I'm here. And the words on that quote are one of her most famous sayings. We can do no great things, only small things with great love. See, I had come to do great things. Yeah. And I didn't have a servant's heart. It wasn't. And I realized, you know what? No, it's about the heart. 
I, I need to be willing to do small things like carry garbage with great love, not being irritated and angry. <laughs> and that, that lesson, you know, really was important to me. But <clears throat> there's another thing she taught me, which I'd be happy to tell you about, that really clarified the kind of ministry I was going to be involved in. Are you ready? I don't know. <laughs> you know Matthew 25. I do. Everybody knows Matthew 25. I asked mother once, Some we would talk sometimes. I'd go by the yeah. mother house and we'd sit down on that bench and she'd sit next to me and we'd talk. I asked her once, I said, Mother, uh, how do you answer the criticism you get from Catholics in particular? That you allow Hindus and Jews and Muslims to volunteer. Mm -hmm. And and, and you don't require them to be Christians. She said, doctor, have you read Matthew 25? I thought, I laughed, I said, mother, you are the poster child of, mother, <laughs> of Matthew 25. Of course I've read it. She yeah. goes, well, what does it say? I said, well, it says, whatever you did for the least of these, you did for me. I was naked and you clothed me. I was hungry. I was sick and in prison and you visited me. And she goes, so when I get a non-Christian, a Hindu, or a Muslim, or a Jew to serve a poor, needy person, they are serving Jesus. It is, the poor are Jesus in disguise. And that has an impact on them, whether they believe in God or believe in Jesus or not. They meet Jesus. <laughs> and I said, that's what I, I, said, that's what I want to do. So, so from the very beginning, Heart to Heart was more than just gathering Nazarenes together, more than getting Christians to serve. It was about including anybody that had a heart to serve. And, and so we've had Hindus, and we've had Muslims, and we've had Jews, and we've had non-Christians, and agnostics, yeah. Catholics, Protestants. And it's been a beautiful thing to introduce them to Jesus I call it pre-evangelism. Yeah. St. Francis said, preach the gospel every chance you get. Mm -hmm. Use words if necessary. Right. So yeah. that's what we're doing. Even, even if they're not Christians, like, guess what? You're preaching the gospel. <laughs> so that's what I've done. Uh, Docs Who Care does the same thing, even though we're a very strongly faith-based organization. Sure. Uh, we, we invite any doc that has a servant heart, and we talk about a servant heart, servant leadership. That's come in the Bible. And my docs get it, whether they're Christians or not. Most of them are, of course. Yeah. Uh, so that's been a that's been an important principle, and it happened because of Mother Teresa. That's just unbelievable. Um, I I, I want to shift gears just just for a minute because I, I think your story about how you launched Heart to Heart and then meeting someone like Mother Teresa because you're you're going into India there feeling pretty good about oh all God. the worldwide impact you've made and all these kinds of things. And then you, you learn another lesson in the, yeah. right in the middle of, yeah. of your life in a sense yeah. that, that changes everything from there on out. I want to, I want to talk just a little bit about, because I believe all of us are a product of the environment in which we're raised. You, your parents Amen. were amazing people, you know, uh, you know, uh, James Vernon, JV, that's Marsh right. And Pat. I, some of my favorite people, you know, that I remember from my, from my younger years and, and all. And I, I, I guess one of the things that I would want to, uh, have you maybe just mention is your, your family, 
your your whole yeah. family has been involved yeah. in uh, not just you and Vicky and, you, and yeah. your kids, but your siblings. Uh, the birth order. Uh, you, you're you're the oldest, and then is is your sister Becky? Becky, yeah. Next, and she, how many years did she serve as a medical nurse? You know, she was a doctor. She a doctor. I mean, yeah. yes, medical missionary. Well, she, that's what I meant. To she say. came yeah. to me at age forty. She's a she was a social worker. She had gone to India. That, yes, just like me, and gone to sir, gone you know, seen the needs sure. of the people, and came back and says, uh, Gare, I I feel like I'm being called into Medical so she went to medical school. Yeah, well, I told her you should be a nurse because I said she was 40 years old. I said, by the time you get done with medical school and residency, yeah. that's yeah. seven years. And you still have to do your pre-med. She'd never yeah. done pre-med. So I said, you got like nine years. <laughs> because I said, you could be a nurse in a, a year, yeah. maximum two, yeah. and serve. And she goes, no, I'm, I'm, I want to be a doctor. So she was the oldest person in her class at University of Kansas Medical School. And she went through and did her residency in public health, which is, I had done a master's, she did a doctoral level and, yeah. uh, and really initiated the whole community evangelism, community health uh, evangelism using healthcare as a tool yeah. to draw people in and teach them about health. And uh, throughout New Guinea, she traveled the back roads and flew in. The I knew she was in New Guinea. Yeah. My, so my parents actually uh, saw her in New yeah, Guinea. Yeah, they stayed in her Back house. in their travels. Yeah, yeah. I, that's that's just incredible. And then uh, your brother Mark um, mm -hmm. ended up being a very successful lawyer. And your brother Laura, Kyle. Lori. Okay, Mark and then Lori and then Kyle, right? Yeah. I have five. Five kids, yeah. And three of us are doctors. Crazy enough. Yeah. And then Mark does uh, malpractice, and, and uh, sues doctors. Yeah, that's his name. <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. You get together and tell yeah. me. And then, like, and then Lori, tell me, tell me why now? Why do you sue doctors? Yeah, he tells me some stories. I go, yeah, they they should be sued. Your uh, your sister Lori and and her husband Finley, Finley and yeah. we we we're all really close yes. from, from our college years. And and uh, Finley and Lori, um, I mean. All of you all have been in the helping professions. Somehow. Somehow, some way. Yeah. What was it that your parents did? You think maybe that, yeah. that, because I think it's interesting for, for especially for young parents, that they need to realize that they're wiring their kids yeah. from, from yeah. early on. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we've already wired our kids. I mean, it's too <laughs> yeah. late. Right. And now we're trying to be involved in wiring our grandchildren right. too, but, but you don't have that direct influence. But my uh, my parents modeled uh, compassion ministry before there was the term before we had that yeah. organized in the in the church and uh, my dad always looked out for the least of these the the, the underdog he always went to bat for the underdog mm -hmm. whoever it was and people knew my dad you know the alcoholics or homeless people they could come to our door. And they could always get food or maybe $10 or something. Yeah. And my dad would invite them to church and he was open. You know, he, it didn't bother him. In fact, that was, that's what he wanted. He wanted to reach yeah. people. So I saw that and that, that really imprinted on me that whatever else I do, I'm going to be serving the least of these. I didn't know all the terminology. And then on my Vicky side of the family, her family, the Wessels, Dean and Roxy, Roxy being the brother of one of the presidents of Trebekah, Mark Moore, yeah, was president, and uh, and uh, 
the the Wessels family came, they served in the church, just like my parents, just like your parents. Their ministry was inside, really through the Church of the Nazarene. Now, they went outside that. My dad in Nashville started Shade Tree Evangelism yeah. in the projects yeah. right there on East, East Nashville, across yeah. the river. And so he was always pushing the envelope, kind of the boundaries and trying to think outside the box. And uh, so that that's, I, I grew up with that kind of like, okay, you know, you don't have to just do the normal things. You, you can be creative. You can allow God to lead you into things that you would never have thought. And maybe that the church is not willing to take on like heart to heart. I mean, yeah. So uh, I'm still involved with the Nazarene. Of course, I go to a Nazarene church and I'm still involved with Nazarene Compassion Ministries. Yeah. I was the, on the board and later chairman of Nazarene Compassion Ministries, Inc. So I'm a big, big supporter. But in my case, I felt like like Mother Teresa, I want to go outside the church. That's Absolutely. my calling. And I right. want to bring people in. And whether they become Nazarenes or Baptists or Assemblies of God or Catholic is of less interest to me. Yeah. But I just want to draw people into the, into yeah. the kingdom. And like... Um, you know, Salvation Army says just doing the most good. You know, I mean, always finding ways to partner with people to to do the most good for the most people. Yeah. I, you know, I mean, I've, we were talking a little bit before we started recording about why I even started this this podcast. What, yeah. what the whole goal is? And I, I just realized you're sure. The <laughs> yeah. middle, I was thinking it was Trevecca. You, know, you got Trevecca colors. Yeah, it's it's interesting to me how we think we're so far apart because mm -hmm. of the polarization of news cycles and social media and, and it's different. Yeah. yeah you know, you, people live in. but man, most people are just, they're, they're living life in the middle of their own experience and they're yeah. just trying to make it through the day. Yeah, they're just, yeah. you know, and, and so finding ways to encourage people right. to respond to the, the, the impulse to do something good. Yeah. For somebody else, because well, the, is is that not? I mean, you've absolutely. you've been able to have incredible experiences in your life. We don't have time to talk about all your adventures. You know, you you've been to you've been to some of the most far flung places in the world and live to tell about it. You know, all that kind of stuff. But but the I I'm guessing that your greatest joy uh -huh. comes when you see comes when you see someone else have a need met or yeah. a light comes on for yeah. them that they, they're going to make it, yeah. you know, yeah. that, that there's somebody there that cares. Exactly. Exactly. Well, you mentioned the Salvation Army. Yeah. And, uh, one of the, another great epiphany in my life or a moment when I really felt like, okay, this is God speaking. So when you starting heart to heart, I got all kinds of different recognitions and awards. Yeah, sure. I've gotten award from Trebekah, yeah. leadership award, I yeah. think that you engineer. Yeah. And so, but the, the most significant recognition I've ever gotten was from the Salvation Army. Yeah. And they, they had a big, this was the Kansas City chapter and they had a big fundraising banquet every year. Mm -hmm. And they give an award to one person that it kind of represents what they do, service to yeah. the least of these. And they gave me the award. It was a plaque, and I still have it. 
and it's called the Others Award. Others. I just said, what is, why Others Award? I mean, it's not for outstanding humanitarian service. But <laughs> the Others Award, tell me about it. What, where is this, what's this idea behind it? They said, oh, General Booth, the founder of the Salvation yeah. Army, during like World War One, might have been two, every Christmas he would send a telegram to every Salvation Army missionary around the world and give them some kind of encouraging words. That's before email and yeah. all that. So yeah. and a telegram be paid for it by the word. So it was a if it was a long paragraph, you're gonna pay more. And you know, he's sending all hundreds and thousands. Yeah. yeah. Well they were they were so low on money, they were about they were in dire circumstances. And so Christmas came along and he wanted to keep the tradition going. So he sent a telegram to every missionary. And it had one word. Others. Others. And that's what it's about. It's others. That you talk about political divides. If we could just stop and go, let's think about others. The most good for the most people. Exactly. And the people yeah. who are most in need. I mean, yeah. you know, that that that's that's what life's all about. And that's what I, I want to do. My life's goal or mission is to help people find a place of meaningful service. I love it. So you're, uh, you, you and Vicki have Graham and Laurie. Yes, Amy's our oldest. Amy, I, I don't know Amy. Yes. Okay, yeah. Amy, Laurie, I'm sorry, Amy, Aaron, Laurie, Graham. Four kids. Four. Yeah. I just knew that. I, yeah, did, I yeah, guess the two youngest. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. yeah. So right. uh, Lori went to Trebekah. Right. And then she went. She played soccer for us. She played for soccer. A year or two. Yeah. 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 And got a scholarship and all yeah. that. And then her boyfriend later become husband was playing football in Mid America. Okay. So all she right. <laughs> she transferred to Mid America. Understand that. Yeah. There's a whole lot of my family had gone to Trebekah, yeah. as as did I for a, yeah. a short time, but. Uh, you know, our our uh, my my kids have grown up around heart to heart and compassion ministries and work and witness, and so they're they all felt called into the helping profession, serving. So Amy's a doctor. Now she, I took my three daughters to Calcutta and introduced them to Mother Teresa, and she bonded with them, took them into her private quarters. Mm -hmm had her sorry off, which I've, I've never seen a picture of her without it on. Yeah. And she sat in her, on her uh, bed and gathered my three daughters around her <laughs> and gave them a real, a pep talk, devo th devotional thought. They were in there for like 30 minutes wow. about using your life to serve God. So Amy's a, a doctor and she is a doctor for the dying the hospice, mm. which is what, you know, we, we all, we, three, three daughters and I, we all volunteered together. And uh, Aaron's a school teacher, okay. wonderful ministry, public yeah. education, gosh. Yeah, absolutely. And then uh, Lori's a nurse. And, and, get, and uh, Graham is now the CEO of Doxy Care, which is a very mission. I mean, it's about serving That's the least of these hospitals, which are small rural hospitals struggling to keep how up. Many, how many? Uh, I mean, assuming you have a, a grandkid or two? 15. 15. Can you believe it? That's amazing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and and four of them are adopted. Uh, 
their half siblings are African Americans, okay. all with the same mother, yeah. different fathers, mm -hmm. and and Lori and Jeremy are raising those four kids along with their two. That's a that's a ministry in itself, fostering, and or adopting children, needy children in America is such a wonderful ministry. If you, if you had to strip it all down to the bare bones and and why why you think that original pull on your heart mm -hmm. has extended across the generations i mean is it is it words you've shared is it is it the things you've said okay this is who we need to be what or or is there something even more organic than that do you, do you think it all just started because you ultimately said yes to that that mm -hmm. pull to that call mm -hmm. what, yeah. How, how does something like this happen, Gary? Well, Michael, one thing I enjoy about being around you is you tear up pretty easily. <laughs> <laughs> You're pretty passionate about it. So, yeah, you can wipe the tears. Uh, I appreciate that about you. Uh, there were some, there were words. And one of the things I've done is written, put, put my thoughts and words into writing. And so I've written uh, several books with these stories in them and with the te with the, the the point the point is not some grand adventure Gary's grand adventure interesting adventure with Mother Teresa it's what what's the teaching point what what is what is it that we can learn from this so so uh, they've seen that I would always write emails home and once we got emails before that it was just I kept a, it on my uh, laptop and yeah. before that it was written. And they've read those, but it's really been, they just, it, actions. You know, actions speak louder than words. That's what they say. Yeah. And uh, I believe that. And so I think uh, over the years, just being involved and, and uh, I was gone a lot as they were growing up and they knew that they, 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 they were sacrificing something sure. for me to d fulfill my calling, but we talked about it and, uh, they understood, and they went with me. All my kids have gone with me. They've traveled more around the world than most kids already by the time they finish high school. They've traveled in many continents, being involved in compassionate ministry or heart-to-heart -heart projects. So uh, I think it's just trying to, you know, words are great, but spoken words go in one ear and out the other. <laughs> Written words stay. Yeah. Okay, so that's good. But you have to take time to read it. But just seeing, watching people in action, whoever they are, whether it's a pastor or a youth pastor, youth minister, and they had great youth ministers, great mentors. They We we were in a great Nazarene church. And uh, so it all came together. And, you know, people of our generation who have kids, we grew up in the church, the kids grew up in the church, one question we sometimes ask is, how many of your kids are still are in the Nazarene church? Yeah. You know what? I'd say about half of them or more are not. Yeah, I'm certain of that. Yeah, yeah, but we never, I always said to my kids, guys, it's not about going to a Nazarene church. Wherever you end up, you need to find a faith community that you can engage in and invest in and believe in. And if it happens to be Nazarene, that's great. Yeah. But I said, don't, I mean, half the little towns I've worked in, I'm not sure I'd go to the Nazarene <laughs> church, you know? But what counts is a faith community. 
Well, the weird thing is three out of my four kids go to a Nazarene church. That's awesome. And the, the fourth one uh, is very involved in their community church. Yeah. Non-denominational. Yeah. So it's, it's interesting. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. <laughs> we could talk for hours, Gary. Uh, but uh, I, uh, I, I, think, I think the way I want to wrap this amazing conversation up um, is just to simply say, you know, if you've seen any or heard any of these podcasts, you know that I talk about just getting out there in the middle of doing something good for someone else. I think it's pretty obvious that Dr. Morse is such a person and uh, man, it's been great to have you here. Um, thanks for joining us here uh, for this, uh, for this episode. And, um, you know, I look forward to seeing what new things are still out there for me at the ripe old age Amen. of 63, right? You know? <laughs> or whether you're 80, your dad. My dad's 86. 86 and he's yeah. down here. Uh, the pink shirt, just by way of explanation, is not just a really cool and hip shirt. It's it's uh, it's the Thursday shirt for Nazarene Youth Conference down here in uh, Tampa, Florida. And uh, Dr. Morse, how many, how many NYCs have you helped with the wellness center area? Well, I missed the first two because I was... Growing up, I was a kid, yeah. but I've missed two since since they I started in '66. Goodness, 1966. Yeah. And you've led uh, the wellness uh -huh. uh, area, the first okay. aid kind of thing. Medical for, team, yeah. Medical team here on time. site. Yeah. Wow, that's amazing. And then, of course, you're helping with that, and your dad. Yeah. So you'll be changing into a pink T-shirt. I, yes. Your I, dad will have a pink T-shirt on. He, he already had it laid out last night, yeah. ready to get dressed. And we'll be all volunteering. Yeah. It's the the, yeah. the shirts are worn by all the volunteers. <laughs> so the day's pink day. Thank so, you so much. Hey, Gary. thank you, thank you, Michael. Love and appreciate and God you. God bless very you much. in this ministry. I think what you're doing is fantastic. Keep beating the drum. That's what I always say. We'll Keep do it. Hey, we'll thanks. See you next time.